big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello, and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today's episode is, I imagine you're going to love it. It's called Corporation. <laughs> Ta-da! It's it's one of the top things that parents go, I'm, I, I worry about the big feelings and then how do I get my kids to do the things I need them to do, right? How do we do that? It's always up the top of the list of um, of questions that I, that I get with parenting. So, yes, we thought it's time to revisit this beautiful topic again. Before we get into that, how are you, Marion? It's nice to be back together after doing a few little separate episodes. Thank you for doing those. And, um, yes, as you know, I've had some physical symptoms this week so I've been so incredibly grateful for what I know from aware parenting and also what I know from my own Marion method work to be with all the feelings makes a huge difference um, when there's physical things going on and then I did have an idea about doing a podcast episode on on illness or sickness so you know for both us as parents and for our children so we will be doing one of those mm. yes How yes about you lovely Leo <laughs> I've had a wonderful week. <laughs> well, you know, we've, yes, I've had an amazing week. Lots of people listening to podcasts. We, we wanted to share that, you know, our podcast was number three this week in Australia in the kids and family section, which is so very exciting, which means so many people are listening and they're sharing. And we love when you listen and we love when you share it. And um, we're really grateful to have just to be there, really, to have all those people listening to what we've got to say so thank you to everybody for um for just yeah just for taking us in and listening to us it's really exciting yeah so it's been a really wonderful week uh, this week lots of wonderful success in my work and uh, recognition and that's felt pretty awesome so it's really nice it's really nice to be seen and nice to be uh recognized with with the work that we're doing so yeah it's been it's been really great Yay, it's so yeah. celebrated, Lyle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thank and, you. And, and this is such a dream come true, isn't it, for both of us, though, with this podcast, that the amount of uh, listeners where we have and the amount of listens, because I think for, for, for both of us, it's such a dream that this information really gets out there to so, so many people and becomes much more the, the way that ch- children get treated. So it's very yes, exciting. totally. That is it. That is it. Yeah. So welcome to new listeners. We've had lots of people follow us this week and and listen. So welcome if you're new here um, to the podcast. And we hope we can give you lots of great information that you can take home and use within your beautiful family. Mm. So today's topic is a good one because, uh, well, it's something that we often talk about. Both you and I talk about a lot, cooperation, don't we, Marion, how we get our kids to cooperate. But it did come from a listener just sent us a message saying, how do I get our kids? kids to do jobs at home or contribute to the house and her and her partner were having lots of disagreements about it and just help how, how can we do this so I thought this was a great place to start or just to to again revisit this whole idea around cooperation and children and um, you know how we work as a unit in a family and also how we can how we can support our children to to be in their centre and to also cooperate in ways that feel good for them. So, as always, should we dive in with some theory first, Marion? Should we dive in with some, you know, bigger picture stuff? 
haven't written in so many notes for this, so um, I would love to do that. Um, I, well, the first thing I want to say, and maybe we talk about this a bit more, that we'd, we'd really like to say that cooperation is a really different thing to compliance. So with Aware Parenting, we're really wanting to support children to be willing to cooperate with us, not to be compliant. And the difference, I would say, is cooperation is something that they're willingly doing, whereas compliance is when they're doing something or stopping doing something because they're they're scared about what would happen if they didn't or, um, you know, for some other reason, but for love. Usually I talk about to be loved, to be longed, to be safe. So we're really supporting this this beautiful natural cooperation, which is so different to to compliance. I wonder if you wanted to say something about that as well. I think I think that is such a brilliant place to start because, and instantly when you said that, I think about education and I think about our school and I think about um, what we do at our school woodline is not about this um, compliance. It is more around how do we give kids choice and and autonomy so they do want to cooperate or they do want to, um, you know, join in or, um, you know, contribute in some way. So often many of our systems, particularly education system, is really set up on compliance. If you don't do this, you'll get in trouble. If you don't do your work, you'll get in trouble. If you um, don't sit here, you'll get in trouble. And if you do do what we want you to do, then we'll reward you. So it's still the compliance thing is a big thing and you know it's the delicate line between we live in a world where sometimes we do have to do things perhaps that we we don't want to do but where and I always look at this and particularly with the educators who work with us at Woodline wherever we can give kids choice and autonomy let's give them choice and autonomy and the more choice and autonomy they get then the more often they are willing to be able to do stuff even if they don't particularly want to do it but they're more willing to do it because they still feel powerful in their own beings because they have choice and autonomy in um in other ways so I think that's really, really important to be able to firstly, you know, understand that piece around compliance and then wanting to cooperate. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful place to start. Well, I think we're, um, you're muted, Marion. <laughs> you just jumped oh, off your microphone. Oh, I'm here. Um, so the, the other thing I wanted to say is we can talk, think about cooperation in terms of uh, our children are not doing something and we want them to do something or they're doing something that we don't want them to do and we're wanting them to stop. And again, so there can be really different responses that we might have in both of those scenarios. Um, And I think we might go into that a little bit later. Um, I'd love to offer that I think there are three things that we could be thinking about during this podcast. Um, Number one is our own feelings that show up when our children don't cooperate with us. And that's always the first thing we come back to in a way of parenting. We can have all the theory in the world, but if we have feeling outraged or frustrated or powerless it's going to be almost impossible to put in practice any of these aware parenting practices um, the second thing is really understanding so having that cognitive understanding of why children don't cooperate like why 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 and i think there's where aware parenting has such um, so much beauty to offer because it really does understand what's going on for children when they're not doing what we ask And then I think number three is taking action, which we will be offering some really practical um, things that you can do to support your children. So um, I don't know whether we want to go through those now to talk a bit about our own things that come up when our children uh, are asking them to, I don't know, get in the car or we're asking them to stop hitting their their sibling and they're not um, doing it. We may even say something like, oh, they're not listening. It's really natural that our own big feelings can come up at these times and often from our own childhood experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think that's 
Well, that's one of the biggest pieces to always, as we talk about, is to observe what we're making it mean, all the thoughts that are going through our head when our kids aren't doing something. And of course, you know, I love how you speak to this because it's, it can be so common. It can actually just turn up, you know, when we are not perhaps in our centered state and particularly because we live in a world where we often rush and we have these deadlines and timing, you know, so if you have to get your kids to kinder or to school and you've got to get to work and as much as we try and stay calm, um, often there's this time rush element. Now, a child often doesn't work on that timeline. They're just usually flowing and doing what they want to do. So it is very easy for us to lose our centre when our kids aren't doing what we need them to do, to be able to get out the door or to get to basketball practice or to have dinner or to go to bed or just pick your thing, right, because it can happen many times throughout the day. And I guess the first piece, and I love that you bring this up, is to really be curious within ourselves of what am I making this mean? And I think that's why I often really love that whole let's look, always look behind the behavior when our child isn't cooperating or when they're not doing something that we want to do. Our first thing we need to ask ourselves is to be curious as to I wonder why. Now, it could be because they're engrossed with this Lego and they don't want to stop building Lego and they actually don't care if they get to kinder on time because right now, here in this moment, Lego is all that exists. So it's not on their agenda to do it. Or they actually don't care if they have to go to the dentist. They don't want to go to the dentist. So, of course, they're going to stay here and do this or or many of the different reasons. So I think the first thing is always to be really curious as to what is perhaps going on here for my child and also what is going on for me. And that really tricky piece of catching ourselves, catching our thoughts to go, what am I making this mean? Am I making it mean that they just don't want to cooperate or that they're really difficult or, you know, can't they see how important it is that I have to get to this thing? We can often really be sitting in our own stories around what that might, you know, what we think is happening in that situation. Yes, it's really helpful, isn't it, to notice what we're telling ourselves at these moments, because what we're telling ourselves has a really big impact on how we feel, and how we feel has a really big impact on how we're going to be likely to respond, because if we're going to be telling ourselves, which I think is so common in this culture to tell ourselves things like, you know, they're just doing it deliberately, or, or, you know, why, I'm sure you can insert all kinds of judgments about why they might, might not be doing it. And if we're thinking that deliberately doing it as some kind of just, you know, to, to so that we feel annoyed or whatever it is, it's really likely that we're going to feel frustrated, we're going to feel powerless. We're likely then to move into some kind of coercion or power over, um, which is going to definitely not elicit cooperation. It's actually more likely to mean, you know, if we're trying to use power over them, they're going to feel powerless. They're going to be just you know, saying no, basically. So really having a clear understanding of, why they aren't cooperating really can help us, which is why we're going to be sharing about why they're not cooperating. I know you've just shared some of it, and we're going to go into that in more detail, all the reasons, so that we can increasingly replace those judgments that we have about why they're not doing it with curiosity. Like, oh, I, you know, I, I know the kinds of things that might be going on for them. I wonder what it is, and I can go through this little list, and I can try out these things. So I think as well what I love about Aware Parenting is that because it understands the causes of children's behaviors, it can help us feel really um, so much more powerful as a parent because, I mean, I don't know about you, Lau, but I cannot imagine how it would have been to parent a baby or a young child. Well, I know you started off like that, but, you know, to not understand, like, why are they doing these things? I just think, oh, my God, I probably would have been confused and overwhelmed and powerless. It's hard enough as it is if we, if we do understand, but just to not have any idea why they're doing these you know seemingly like really odd things at odd times oh 
I I remember and it was confusing and it was also my only go-to was coercion (laughs) was when I needed my child to do something, whether it was trying to trick them to go to sleep, like let's go for a really long walk or get in the car and, you know, um, put the heater up and put really peaceful music on and then then fall asleep. I did that so many times. Um, Or it was what can I do to get them to do what I need them to do, which really resulted to almost bribery and coercion Mm -hmm. instead of actually them naturally wanting to do it and it was exhausting and and then it depended on the it depended it it often depend on the currency that I was offering them <laughs> of whether they would do it or not and I felt massively powerless because you know like that with a three-year-old can turn in an instant or a six-year-old or whatever that you know that wasn't there wasn't a this is always going to work every time and so I felt massively powerless a lot of the time when it was trying to really get my kids to do things and 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 as you're saying there I didn't back then I didn't understand really that why kids behave the way they did you know it was just I just was trying my best to try and get them to just move throughout the day and do all these things and and you know if we can do it with the least amount of yelling or the least amount of you know meltdowns or feelings then we're that's we're winning right but it was it felt very out of control it felt very powerless and that information piece of understanding children's behavior is one of the most powerful pieces as a parent and I think just even this this line, it, when we're looking at cooperation, when children are feeling imbalance or what I call imbalance or they're feeling good in their bodies and they feel connected to us, they are far more likely to cooperate. But when they've got a you know, whole lot of feelings going on, when they're feeling really powerless, when they don't feel they have choice and autonomy or a whole lot of other things that could be going on, then they're less likely to want to cooperate. Like that's that's the bottom line here. So even if you only take one thing away from this podcast, let it be this. If my child's not cooperating, we want to ask the question, why? What's going on for them? What if I was really curious about what's happening in their world in this moment? Because as I love how you put it so often, Marion, a child's natural state is to want to be connected to us, is to want to be in balance for the words I use, is to want to feel that that gorgeous goodness that we can have when we're doing stuff and it feels great. That's where they want to be. But sometimes they can't be there because there's a whole lot of stuff in the way. And in when we break it down really simply as a parent, if we can look through the lens of, okay, there's something in the way here, what is it? It's my job to help decipher what's in the way or to meet some needs that may need to be met so that we then can create that that cooperation. So I think that is such a really good first place to start to be curious and ask the question, what am I making it mean in myself? And also what could be going on for my little person here? Because they're not doing it just to, to make your life hard and they're not doing it because they want to, you know, make you even more exhausted. They're not. They're, they're not doing that. That's not who they are. They're just existing in their own little world and it's our job always to, to meet them and to be able to, you know, use some of these beautiful tools so that we can find that beautiful balance and we can move throughout our day. Mm, I love that, Lal. Yes. And, you know, I was remembering I used to talk about the three C's that our children naturally want to be connected they enjoy cooperating, they enjoy contributing. So that those beautiful three C's is actually what they enjoy. And I think we all do, don't we? Like when, when we're in your words, to, when we're in balance, we enjoy those uh, to do all those things. So I also made another little list about all some of the things that they um, that, that helps them actually to want to cooperate, which you've talked um, 
through quite a few of them, but I'd love to go through that little list if you're happy. Mm, Um, So I want to say children are much more likely to be willing to cooperate with us in doing something we want them to do if they have a number of these things. So the first one is that they feel connected with us. And again, I think you've, you've shared this, but I thought we could go through each one in a little bit more detail. So can, how can we, and, and so, okay, how can we support that more? So, you know, the more we are, you know, connecting with ourselves, with our breathing, like getting close to them, being warm, offering them eye contact, expressing, uh, you know, if we're asking, uh, we have a request of them to express it in warm and friendly and loving tones, you know, sweetheart and, you know, little endearments like that. So that's number one, the more connected with us they feel, the more willing they are to cooperate. And I'd love to go through all the whole list, but I'd love to hear if you have anything to share about that. Yeah, well, I think that's, um, you know, for me, the connection piece is so vital, isn't it? If we are, you know, if we are in the kitchen and our child is playing in the lounge room and we're like, you know, you need to get shoes on because we've got to go to school, right? Well, there isn't really connection there. There's just us yelling from the kitchen, right? And children are very good at just drowning that out because they're like, no, nah, you know, I'm, I'm just playing again with my trains. So what that might look like is to go over, to make eye contact, touch them in some way, go, hi, darling, what are you doing? Ah, you're making these amazing trains here. This is incredible. Sweetheart, we've got to put our shoes on because we have to leave to go to Nana's in a minute. So do you want to finish playing with your trains or can I help you move them over here so we can play with them when we get back? And then let's put your shoes on. So there's that's a different completely different requests than us yelling from the kitchen, put your shoes on because we're going to go to Nana's in five minutes. You know, children often don't respond well to that. And then what happens is for the adult, we yell again and then we yell again and then we're like, why are you not listening to me? (laughs) And that doesn't feel good for anyone really. But if we can come over, get down close, get down low, make eye contact, all those beautiful things you're saying, then a child is much more usually willing to do what we're asking them to do because that connection is there as that first piece. So, you know, that for me is so vital that when we as adults in our own brain are wanting our kids to do stuff, but perhaps if children don't have context, perhaps if they're not feeling connected to us, you know, then then often getting them to do that is going to be tricky. So that extra minute or two to go over and get down low and connect and what are you doing and tell me about that or even even if your child's on a screen or an iPad or something, right? And and we go, right, that's it, you've got to get off and they don't get off and they're not listening to us. Can we go over? Can we sit down? What are you watching? Oh, that looks amazing. What's happened? Yes. Okay, sweetheart, we're going to turn off in two minutes and then should we go and jump on the trampoline or, you know, we're offering some other bridging connection or whatever it is that we're doing is, is again, a child is often more willing to do that because there is a connection piece there that that feels like, oh, yeah, because children can't resist us. I mean, that's the beautiful thing. Children want to be with us. They want to spend time with us. They want to feel loved up by us. Like that is such a beautiful driving force for a lot of children. So when we can offer that or we can offer something like that when we need to go somewhere or do something, then that, again, is going to be more incentive for a child to cooperate. Yeah, it's so core, isn't it, that attachment need and makes such a difference when we're when we're responding in those ways. And, you know, what I love about all of these things is they're just the same for us as adults. You know, if you have a partner and, and they shout from the other side of the house, hey, um, I don't want to get dinner tonight, will you do it? You might be like, 
No. <laughs> if they came close and gave you a big hug and said, hey, sweetheart, I'm feeling a bit tired tonight. Would you be willing to cook dinner? You might be like, yeah, sure. Mm. I mean, all of these things are not just about children, actually just normal, natural human um, needs, basically. <laughs> and I think we can so easily forget those. And I don't know about you now, but I also do remember like just just doing this experiment many times of like just saying something from the next room and just like, it never works, does it? Or well, very rarely works. No. Especially small children. They really need no. They do. And I think, too, um, if we come back just a little bit to that first kind of reason why we were having this discussion about doing jobs in the house or stuff like that, sometimes, again, if children have got no motivation to want to do it, there's nothing in it, well, they perceive there's nothing in it for them or it's not joyous or, you know, it doesn't feel connected, then they're going to be less willing to actually do it. So it could be like, okay, um, you know, I've shared this in our podcast before when it came to doing cleaning of a house, we used to have what we call a shakedown where one child would choose a song or maybe it went for 15, 20 minutes and each child would all get to choose a song and all of us did it together and we'd all do the jobs we want to do. So someone might fold the washing and someone else was cleaning the kitchen and someone else was vacuuming or whatever it was, but it was a, a group thing together that we were all doing and it was fun and we would be silly. And, and so it became a really great thing to do together. It wasn't just, you need to go pack up your toys now. And if you don't do it, you know, you're not going to get dessert. It wasn't, it wasn't this whole, oh, why do I have to do it? It was something that we did as a family and, you know, for me, that worked beautifully because we were modeling, taking care of the house together because, you know, I was doing all the jobs and I was like, this is good. This is not, you know, I'm not doing, not teaching my kids some beautiful stuff here about taking care of our house as a collective and why should I be the one doing all the work? So let's all do it together. And we started that when our youngest was like two, you know, so she was a two-year-old and we were giving her two-year-old jobs to do, you know, which was whatever it was, picking up her few toys or, you know, but she was, she, my youngest really loves cleaning. So she was like, no, I'm doing the dishes and she's to get in there and do it. And, and so it became something that we did as a family so that we could see that we were all contributing to the house. It felt really beautiful when we did it. Um, it was fun. And then the children would sometimes go, oh God, everything's a mess. We need a shakedown. And then they would, you know, they would start saying that's what we should do. And then we all contributed in that way because it was it was part of this beautiful house that we all live in and we want to keep it lovely and so that it feels good for everyone and let's all do it together and let's make it fun. Now, I also found, I also found where my t- kids were teenagers uh, and sometimes I might just say to them, hey, darling, can you fold the washing or, you know, can you unpack the dishwasher? And depending, again, on where they were at in their world, sometimes they'd be like, oh, no, what do I have to? And for me, that was a bit of a sign of like, oh, something going on for them because when they're feeling pretty good, they'd usually be like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. But sometimes there was just a part of them that was, you know, there was too much stuff going on in their world that adding that on top of it was just too much. So I would come in close and I'd be like, ah, you don't want to do the washing, honey. And they're like, oh, I just, oh, I don't want to do it. And I'd be like, what if I do it beside you? Why don't we do it together? And I would use it as a point of connection because in that moment, actually, you know, I still wanted the job done and, but I was willing to kind of do it with them. But also there was a, we were, we were connecting as we were doing it. And then, you know, she started talking about what was going on for her. So I think the key part of that, I wasn't making her wrong for not wanting to do it. And I wasn't coming out with the, you know, we all have to contribute in this family. And it was, I was curious again and going, "Mm, there's a part of her that doesn't want to do it. And there's something else here. And what is that? 
And in that moment, even though I know she could fold the washing, I was like, hey, I'll do it with you. And there just was that, again, modeling of, hey, we can do it together. We still have some connection. You know, we can do that. And and every child's different. Like of my three children, two of them quite value clean and tidy and one of them does not (laughs) so she definitely doesn't care what her room looks like and she's you know she's it's not a high value for her which is totally fine so she was the one who was often the least resistant to wanting to contribute in the house and what she often needed was a bit of connection time to do it so I would do stuff with her or a sister would be like come on we'll do it together and and it became more of a fun thing where she was willing to do it. Now she's living out of home and realizing, whoa, there's no one else here to clean up. I probably have to do this now. <laughs> so I think life is teaching her on some beautiful level about, you know, what that looks like in her own space, in her own world. But there was never any making her wrong for it. She just, that's just who she is and that's okay. And then how does this look in the value of our whole house and our family? How can we all do it so that it feels good for all of us? And with with um, that child, you know, she just did need a little bit more hand-holding in doing those things. The connection piece really needed to be there for her to have that cooperation. And that was even still as a teenager. And it was even more important when she was, when she was little. So number one, connection, connection, connection. Mm. Oh, it's almost in bright lights, isn't it? Like neon, da, da, da. connection, connection. Um, I'd love to go through the little list I had. Should we do the next one? Yeah, um, go. So, and, I, and again, you've already touched on it, but the, the second thing is to really understand the reason for the request. Often they, they will need that, not always. So we might want to give them information about why they're doing that thing. So again, that they, they have those needs too, to actually understand, like it's not just some random thing. Mm-hmm. we're asking them um and again like age appropriate doesn't need to be like massive massive amounts of information and because this isn't only one of the reasons i think this is the one where in this culture we can tend to think if our child isn't cooperating we just need to tell them more and give them more information but because there are so many other things here in this list uh, often that isn't the thing so if you've already given them information and they're still not willing to cooperate it tells you that is not the need. You've done that bit. <laughs> you don't need to do more. Um, do you want to say something about that too? Well, I think that's, you know, I think again, as adults, we forget that we just, we know why we are doing stuff and we just kind of run with that agenda. And I think that information piece is so vital because it's it's helping them understand, hey, we have to go to the shops because we need to get some food for dinner because I want to cook something yummy. Um, you know, what do you think we should cook? And in that moment, you can also connect you know always I'm coming with the let's give information and let's offer extra connection or let's offer choice and autonomy within what we're doing Uh, you know that 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 information piece is really vital to help them understand so it may even be we're going to the dentist because it's really important that we check our teeth or you know we we're whatever reason we're doing I think it's never too early to start giving children information around why we're doing what they're doing and that you know that also ties into I know the other steps we're going to get to of how we do create that cooperation is that information even though they might be like no but I don't want to go to the dentist like I know you don't want to go sweetheart but you know this is really important and we're still going to do it and then it gives us the opportunity to listen to their feelings about it which we'll get to in a minute that that information piece also is really vital in helping to I think hold sometimes what we call that balance of attention for if there's stuff that gets in the way from wanting them to cooperate, which we will go into in a minute. But I think that information piece is, is, yeah, is really, is so important. And you're right. I love what you say. If they still don't want to do it when you've given the information, that's not the bit that's stopping them from doing it. 
Yeah, which is why, you know, parents might for so many times say, you know, be, be gentle, be gentle, be gentle, don't, you know, and the child's still hitting their friend. It's not the information. And actually, in, in many cases, there are certain examples where we know it's never a need for information, which is, for example, um, what I call aggression. So any kind of hitting, biting, throwing, taking, pushing, that is not caused by a lack of information. Yeah, yeah. What's your next one on the list? Number three, you've said it lots of times already, but that's they have a sense of choice and autonomy. So this can be in general, like the more in general, we are not coercing them, then we're not using power over. In our language, you know, one of my favorite words, are you willing? So avoiding, you know, you have to and you should and you've got to and you must and coercing them and forcing them. Um, and you may say, but how on earth can I get them to brush their teeth without doing that? There are all kinds of ways in we're parenting we can help children be willing to do these things and we're going to talk more about all of that but basically if i know you've said it about three times but choice and autonomy is so key and the more that they know that and the more that we listen to and respect that the more likely they are to actually be willing to cooperate because they just know that 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 agency and autonomy and choice in them is respected and considered and valued mm, and that that could be simple like Again, brushing your teeth, and we've done episodes on this, it, that choice and autonomy could look like, hey, do you want to jump on my back and we'll race um, like a horse to the bathroom and then we'll brush our teeth? Or do you want to brush my teeth first? Um, or where do you want to brush your teeth today? Do you want to do it standing up on the bench or on a chair or upside down in the bath? Or like, you know, it, it's it's giving options and choice so the child feels like they've got some power within whatever they're doing. And, that, and you don't have to give them 10 choices. It can just be two choices. But but we often I often find that that choice again if we can we can link it with something that's fun and playful which is what we're going to talk about as well then that can be wonderful as incentive to help a child go yeah that's cool and look for a teenager that could be hey we've got to go to this place and they're like I don't want to go and I'm like I know you don't want to go it's really hard do you want to choose some music to listen to or once we get there how about we you know do you want to do this or do that or you know, again, teenagers, I think, still need that choice and autonomy as well that can help feel better when we're needing to do something that perhaps they're not 100% keen on doing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And if you're already thinking, oh, my gosh, this is a lot of things to remember, we do have a little list of three things that you can remember in the moment. So we will be sharing that later as well. So the next thing da, 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 um, is that they're feeling relaxed and happy. So if they're feeling calm, again, you've already talked about this, but if they're feeling relaxed and happy, and again, we know this for ourselves, don't we? If we're feeling like joyful and our bodies are feeling relaxed and all is well in our world and our child says, can you come and play Barbies with me? Or can you come and read me the 27th book for today? We might be, or, you know, could you get me a cup of, a cup of whatever it is? Sure, darling, I'd love to do that you but if we are feeling stressed or stretched or tired or overwhelmed or frustrated or pissed off or all the things that we can be if our own feelings from the past to bubbling up we feel powerless if we don't we're not having enough support all the bazillion things so basically we're feeling tense we've got feelings bubbling we we often don't want to say yes or we might say yes we might do it but we're coercing ourselves we're not we're not like feeling that joy of cooperation children are just the same as us and i would say this is probably one of the the main causes of children not cooperating is because they've got painful feelings bubbling and if you're newer to aware parenting want to say it's really normal and natural for all children to have a lot of painful feelings even if we do everything we can to be the most 
responsive and loving and all the things parents all children will feel a lot 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 of really big feelings and if you're newer to this you might want to go and listen to our episode on big feelings I think it was called Mm -hmm. it's all about that so basically they've got a lot of big feelings and those feelings are sitting in their bodies and uh, those feelings are bubbling up right this moment often those feelings will bubble up when we either uh, ask them to do something or we ask them to stop doing something often that will help those feelings bubble up and it's just so number one they're going to be less likely to cooperate and number two those feelings are likely to come up even more mm-hmm. so you're going to see them kind of behaving in ways you really don't enjoy you might be asking them to stop climbing on the table and they do it more and then perhaps they start laughing um, and you might start telling yourself they're not taking you seriously but in a way parenting uh, when children are laughing particularly in those situations they're often releasing fear or powerlessness so we can really understand that um, there are feelings bubbling up. So again, this is why it come, comes back to what we were saying earlier on. It's really important what we're telling ourselves there. Because if we're telling ourselves all kinds of harsh things, it is not going to go well. We're going to mm. feel frustrated. We're mm. probably going to end up responding in ways we don't enjoy. They're going to probably feel you know, even more painful feelings. It just doesn't go well. Mm. So we can remember. And, and again, the more we practice aware parenting, the more we can just clearly see this. They're clearly agitated. They're clearly tense. They've been asking for three things, you know, this thing and that thing and the other thing. And we do that thing and they're still not happy. And we ask for another thing and we're asking them to stop doing stuff and they keep doing it. Or they're going and doing that thing that we've specifically asked them not to do. These are all signs in a way parenting that they have painful feelings to express. So basically on a, on a preventative level, again, the more we are listening to those feelings, the more we understand how to do that, to welcome their crying and their raging so that they can express those feelings in healthy ways, the more they're going to feel calm and relaxed in their bodies and the more they are going to be willing to cooperate with us. So that's why in a way parenting, the, the attachment play and the crying and raging are so central if we're wanting children to cooperate and that's what I found with my children because my top the top aim after connection was listening to their feelings I found then most of the other things went went easy in terms of cooperation they were generally willing to cooperate not because I was focusing on cooperation but I was focusing on listening to feelings so yeah just like us you know you have someone listen to you oh oh my gosh and see clearly again and oh my gosh I remember my kids so often they'd have a really big cry and, and then they'd be cuddling in my arms and by the way if you're new to this this is always crying with loving support and then and then they'd be lying in my arms and they'd say hey mum can I help you do something or you know can I help you put the shopping away or something just you know just it's that desire when, when we're feeling that natural spaciousness in ourselves that beautiful calmness we we get connected back to that that lovely those lovely three c's we feel connected again we feel connected to our own bodies we feel connected to the people we love and, and we just want to cooperate. We want to contribute because we just feel that, oh my gosh, I feel so relaxed and relieved and full of like the joys of spring. So. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, it, and I think I'm thinking back to, and this might be really helpful, you know, if, you, if your child's been at kinder all day perhaps or they've been with a grandparent all day or they've been at school or they've been somewhere where, they do have to hold it together or perhaps, you know, things go on and they, they have that accumulation of feelings, then that is potentially the time when you get home or you pick them up where they're not willing to cooperate because they're so full up of a whole day 
of stuff going on that that's when we need to help release all that stuff which we can do through play or as you say just holding a limit and listening to the feelings and the frustrations coming out and then they are more willing to cooperate so I think it's always really good to tune into your child and go okay well where are they at what's been happening in this day like I always you know when my children particularly were little and they were at kinder in those first few years of school there was, you know, the after school time was never a time to try to get them to do things that I wanted them to do because they, they usually was met with so much resistance because, the, you know, there was a whole lot of needs there that needed to be met. They, I, they needed to connect with me first. Perhaps they needed to offload what the day was before they were willing to even do something else. So I think it's so key to tune into your child to be like, well, where are they in this moment? And as you said, when they're feeling relaxed and calm and happy in their bodies they are often far more willing to contribute and and I look at it this way if your child is not um cooperating again we have to come back to asking like we said right at the top let's get curious as to why is it because you know there's a whole lot of stuff in the way is it because they don't understand why like you know it's all those beautiful questions again and again and again to keep going over and from there then we can try these things to see if that can help shift it and and as you're right sometimes when my kids would be come up with a big no around something, then my thought was, ah, they've got something there. I need to help them release these feelings. And so I might set a limit around something or, or they would just do it because they might go and hit their sibling or do something. And then I could just hold a limit and then they would get really upset and those feelings would come out. Then, you know, we were able to move forward. So I think it's, it's a really beautiful way to just keep thinking about, okay, you know, what else is at play here? Now I know in the moment when you have to get to the dentist at five o'clock, that's not ideal. I know that in those times it's really hard when they don't want to cooperate and or if they don't want to leave the park or they don't want to get into their car seat or whatever else is going on for you. That is really, really difficult when there is time or there's something that's pressing that you need to get to. And I think I want to come back to what you said earlier, Marianne, which is beautiful, is the more we do maintenance on some level, which is attachment play, lots of laughter and connection, listening to feelings when there's stuff there, the less of a backlog they usually have, the less full up they are with feelings that 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 doesn't have to become such an issue. But I think when we're starting and we're parenting, when we start to listen to a lot of those feelings, we can be met with a lot of resistance a lot of the time. But the more that we we use some of these tools, the less that it that it is there. And what I have found in, and probably like you, Marion, now having adult children who I've done this with, then um, what happens is they grow up is their their resistance to doing something, you know, you don't usually see. They would just be like, oh, I've got this going on at the moment and that feels a bit too hard and I don't know what to do. And they just come out and say it. And so you're like, ah, I get it. I understand. You know, and then I'd be like, how can I help you? Or how could I support you? Or what could we do? And and so therefore it wasn't turning up in behavior. They would just speak whatever was there, what was what was going on. I, I have told this story before, but I used to, I love this story. So one time one morning I was trying to get my youngest ready for for school. I think she was in like prep and I'm like in the kitchen doing exactly telling <laughs> saying what we shouldn't do which is I'm kind of in the kitchen going what do you want in your lunchbox darling do you want this do you want that and she's she's over in the other room and she's all agitated and I'm like Tali answer me what do you want da, da, da. and she turns around and she's like I can't make decisions when I have feelings and I was like oh my god <laughs> yes you're so right she couldn't think she couldn't you know she couldn't help she couldn't do anything because she was like can't you see there's something going on for me here and then I just was like oh god I'm so sorry honey you know 
taken over and we connected and she had a cry about something. And then she did exactly what you said. She went, oh, can I make my own lunch? And then she went and made it herself because she was like, yep, okay, that's over out of the way and now I'm going to do it. So I think that's a really beautiful thing to keep being curious about what is happening for my child in this moment, what is happening for me, and what are some of these tools I can use so that then we can we can find that beautiful cooperation within it. Yes, and I'm also thinking in terms of the two types and when we're wanting them to, to do something that we want them to do or when we want them to stop doing something. I think we, we haven't actually done an episode on loving limits. Maybe we could do one there, but hmm. um, if they're doing something that we don't want them to be doing, particularly if it's hitting or throwing or you know pulling all the books off the shelf or something, that is definitely time for loving limits where we're, we're basically hmm. saying no to the behavior and yes to the feelings that underlie the behavior. So that's a specific time where we're really connecting in with with this element here which is about actually supporting them to express those feelings that are causing that behavior which again we talk about a lot in other episodes Mm, yep and I think what's a really good thing when we're starting to use some of these tools is to absolutely keep looking for evidence of how this works so that if you know, in the past, what's happened is you're wanting your child to cooperate and they don't and you move into yelling or you're coercing them to get in the car or you're bribing them or, you know, using punishments or whatever it is that you're trying to get them to do it to, to see even for a week, okay, what happens if I connect first, you know, before the request and what happens if I give them information and what happens if we give them choice and autonomy and make it a bit playful around what we're doing and what happens if I can see that they're really out of out of whack and and I say no to something and then they get really upset and those feelings come out and then I ask what happens it's really really beautiful to actually just try some of these things and keep looking for the evidence of what happens where is my child after this after they have perhaps a big release and have some big feelings then do they want to go and do it themselves then are they willing to contribute or um, what happens when I make it playful and fun are they really excited to go and do the thing that perhaps they weren't wanting to do before I think this is such beautiful work to watch and observe and keep looking for the evidence to see how it works and how it looks so that uh, the more that we can begin to see that evidence, we go, yeah, okay, these are different techniques and things I can try and you know look and I, I often say to some of the guides at our school with some of the children, sometimes with learning or we're needing kids to do some certain things, you know, we always start with first connection first and then we move into information so they understand what's going on and then how can we make it playful and fun and make sure there's choice and autonomy and then at the end we often will set limits if we need to and hold space for those feelings. And, and, you know, they often feed back to me that sometimes, you know, that worked but that didn't. And I was like, yeah, that's, it's not a foolproof checklist. You do this, this and this and then you'll get the outcome. Some children will really respond to playfulness. Some children will really respond to information. As you said, some ch- children, none of that is even going to touch the sides. They're just so full up with, you know, anger or feelings or something that actually they need to let all that out before they can actually move forward. So it is just constantly being curious and trying one thing and go, that doesn't work. How about we try this and see what happens and then, you know, move move on from there. So it's, you know, and, and I really do feel too, many mums, you know, and I know you've probably had this question too before when you've got little ones, particularly toddlers who don't want to get in their car seat or don't want to leave the park and, and parents are like, I don't want to, you know, force them and I don't want to grab them. And, and there's times where it's just really frustrating because, you know, a little one is just exerting their will and we've tried all these steps. 
if it ever gets to that, then I often will say, you know, sometimes as the adult, we might need to pick them up and say, I'm sorry, darling, I know you don't want to leave, but we're going to leave the park now and I'm going to carry you to the car. And they might be raging or kicking or they might be upset. But if we can stay calm and just say, I really know you don't want to do this, but this is what we have to do, then there is a much gentler way of doing that with our children sometimes when we've tried all those other tricks and we don't ever want to force and we don't ever want to coerce if we can't help it you know but there are some times when we've used all these tricks where we're like I'm I'm just gonna have to pick you up and carry you now and I know you're not happy with that and I'm with you because you know sometimes that's it might be dark and sometimes you know we have to do something for safety and that's why we do it but if we can still remain calm and explain what we're doing then that can um that can definitely help and then of course just holding space for the feelings that might come from that i know you didn't want mommy to pick you up darling and i know you didn't want me to put you in, in you know the car or i know you didn't want me to do that and i'm really sorry and but again usually there's a whole lot of feelings that are sitting underneath the why behind that so you know that that's it's you know i love these tools so much and there's also sometimes times where i'm like i've had to pick my child up and go, I'm sorry, sweetheart, this is what we're doing because we actually need to go now or this is what's happening and I know you don't like it, but I'd always just make sure that I would still listen in that moment and then absolutely afterwards if there was stuff that was there for them around it. Yes, and I think that's the most vital thing to know that if we are using power over in any way, I mean, and actually it's probably preferable to do that earlier, like I remember um, supporting a mum years ago and she was trying to help her child get in the car and it was getting later and later and she just got to the point where she was you know it was dark and she was hungry so actually to get to that point where we have lost our own connection with ourselves and we are more likely to get to say something or do something we regret it's actually going to be preferable to come in with that loving limit and maybe use some kind of power over but the most vital thing exactly as you said is to listen to all the feelings it is really normal and natural anytime we do any kind of using our bigger power over a child or that's you know even you know taking something away from a small child it's normal and natural for them to feel absolutely outraged and powerless and just want to roar that out and the thing is if we do those things to them and we are not willing to listen to the feelings that means more and more accumulation of powerlessness of frustration of outrage the more we do that the less willing they are to cooperate because those are the exact feelings that come up when we say, you know, hey, sweetheart, are you willing to do X, Y, and Z? Or when we say no to something, those are the feelings that are going to bubble up. So it's so, so, so vital that if we um, if we ever do use our greater power over them, that we listen to as many of their feelings as we can. And that might be at the time, but it also we might notice that later on that day, they have a massive cry over some really small thing that is probably to do with that, those feelings earlier on. So it's it's so, so vital to understand those feelings are not just going to go away and they're really important to listen to. And the more a child experiences that kind of power over, the more of those big feelings they're going to have to need to express. Just yeah. like us. You know, if someone uses power over us, we feel outraged. It's a beautiful, normal, natural response. It's a big, no, I am not willing for this. And it really needs to be expressed because if it, if it if it accumulates over more and more over time, which most of us experience, most of us grew up being coerced and powered over a bazillion times. And we've ended up, you know, that then you end up becoming a mother and perhaps suddenly having these big rages. We've talked about this lots of times. That's what that is. Mm. It's really, really important. 
Yeah. And and that's, I think, something really important to remember what you're bringing up so beautifully, Marion, is that particularly with our younger kids, and it can be with teens as well, is that when there's a lot of no's going on from them and they're really resistant to doing something and they're not cooperating and we're trying our best and we're getting frustrated and we're getting angry and and then we kind of blow, you know, and we tap into what we call the mother rage and all those big feelings come out, is it's, it's so vital that we are kind to ourselves to just go, hey, I've reached capacity here. And there is probably an accumulation going on for me of that powerlessness in myself, which sometimes is just from parenting, just from, from having to do those things. Mm, exactly. So, so, so vital, isn't it, to welcome those feelings in ourselves as much as in our children. I think that's one of the key things in in parenting and I, I think one other thing and we talked about this a lot because it's one of my favorite topics as you know power and powerlessness and we we did earlier episodes on that but um just to, to say as well so many children that are called, called willful um are you know that is not actually what's really going on it's actually they have a lot of accumulated feelings in relation to not having choice not having autonomy being powered over um and these all these feelings that show up which means they're kind of stuck they're basically stuck in a no they're not able to freely say sometimes yes sometimes no they've just got the no as the automatic so if your child's like that it can um, often mean that they yeah, got a lot of big feelings to express so the more you're able to listen to that beautiful natural outrage um, the the more likely they are to actually be able to freely go yes as well as no <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally totally yes i think this is um you know, another piece to this cooperation particularly is that, of course, as we always tap into, many of us when we were children absolutely didn't have the opportunity or were able to say, no, I don't want to do that or no, that's not fair or no, I want to do it later. Like many of us grew up in that behaviourism paradigm where we were told to do something, we were expected to do it. And so that can that can be a, a carryover into our parenting that we can often have expectations is that when I tell a child to do something, they should because that's what happened to me and I was told and I was never allowed to speak back to my parent. And I think that's another really important thing to be curious about is, you know, how how did that feel for you when you were little? You know, did you wish that you had the opportunity to say, no, I don't want to do it or no, that's not fair or no, that hurts my feelings or whatever was there. No, I don't want to go to this place. Or, you know, did we ever have the opportunity to express how that felt for us? And for a lot of us, we didn't. We just had to suck it up and do it and get on with it. And that can turn up in our parenting. You know, when we uh, have our own database of you know coercion stories where we were coerced into doing stuff or made to do things we didn't want to do uh that can surface when our children don't do what we want them to do and it can come that can turn up as our own rage because we can be like well i was never given choice and my parents never made it playful and um, i was never told why we were doing what we're doing uh and that can surface as well if within us of you know some of the reasons why we can get really angry and upset when our kids won't cooperate in the ways we need to and I think that's a really important piece to be curious about and and the question we often ask well what would you have wanted when you were four or you were eight or you were 15 when you were being asked to do something what would have felt good for you 
in those moments to do it. And I think that that helps guide us to go, well, how would I have liked it to be? Would I have loved my parent to go, hey, I'll, I'll help you and we'll do it together? Or how about, you know, we have we make it fun or, you know, I can see you've had a really hard day, let me listen to you and, and all those feelings come out and then we were more willing to do what we what was asked. So I think that's another really important piece to come back to for us as adults is are there other feelings that bubble up for you when your child doesn't do what you want them to do and they're not cooperating? What's your go-to? You know, what's the thoughts in your head, you know, around this this particular thing? I think it's a really important thing to um, to lean into a little bit. I definitely have experienced that myself. You know, there were so many things that I was made to do when I was a child that I didn't want to do. Um, you know, I had, I had so much powerlessness come up for me around schooling, <laughs> probably why it's why I built a school where the children have a lot of choice and autonomy, um, because that was such a massive point of frustration for me of you just have to do it and you were made to do it. And just, I remember feeling that as a little child, but seething on the inside of like, but why? And this isn't fair and I don't really want to. And I often think about there could have been so many other ways that could have worked that would have made me willing to do those kind of things. But it used to make me so mad when I was a child, but I wasn't able to express that or was allowed to express it. So I just kind of stuffed it down. And then it turned up in other places in my life when I was made to do things that I want to do. So it's, uh, yeah, it's another curious piece for us as adults to, to lean into a little bit, to particularly when we're watching our reactions to our children. Yes, and we again, we've talked about this more in quite a few of our episodes. There's one on powerlessness. There's one on mother rage. So, yeah, please, again, feel free to go back and listen to those if you would like to. I think the other thing to also say is, although we've got this whole list, and there's still one more thing on my list, is that... Um, Sometimes children just have a no and it is, is a no and it's not because of all these reasons. And actually that one of the core basic things in aware parenting is finding ways to, for everyone to get their needs met. So sometimes it might be, oh, okay, well, you're not wanting to do that. So you know, how can we both get our needs met here? And Because um, sometimes they're doing something for an important reason. And again, I can remember so many stories of this. I, I remember one mama her child kept on playing with the the bin in the bathroom and she didn't want her child to because you know it had rubbish in it she didn't that wasn't to me her need for hygiene and safety and all those things so um and and again I often find this around about the kind of two three year age mark where they're really learning a lot about contingency so they're learning you know what happens if I push this button or if I push this or I press this they're really learning about what happens when they do things so it's really normal and natural that they want to and to do these repetitive things that that have these impacts so I um it seemed like to me that actually was really meeting a need um for this little little one so I suggested she just buy it was just like a little cheap plastic bin so she bought another one for three dollars or something and that was his bin to play with so he then was just happy to play with that bin it was in a different place so again sometimes it's really again looking at is this meeting need for my childhood that this thing they keep on doing um, and is there a way I can support them in getting that need met, but not in this way that I'm not enjoying? So again, that can be also a really helpful question to ask. Mm, I think that that's that that statement was a big game changer in my family too. Of well, how do we all get our needs met here? Because I have a 
you know, have I have to go to the shops to get food and, you know, so we can eat and you don't want to come and what could we do here to find? And sometimes my children would come up with suggestions or scenarios that I didn't even think of that I was like, oh, yeah, that will work. You know, and this is part of, I guess, a family unit and, and not so much, you know, you'd be having this conversation with your two or three-year-old, although you might still on some level see what is it that their need is, but but I would always, if my children were like, I don't want to, or that doesn't feel right, I'd be like, okay, well, how can we get our needs met here and what could we do around that? And so that we we all can find a common ground here. And I think that's such a good, it's never, you know, I find that we started having that conversation from when our children we were young so that they could have a voice and could say, well, that doesn't feel good for me or I want this or I want that. And then we would find ways to do it. And, it, and in the beginning, it really challenged both my husband and I around our stories of, well, no, you just have to because that's what you should do, which was so much around our conditioning of like, you're just told what to do, so you should do it. And um, that was challenging in the beginning for both of us when we were first really learning about we're parenting to to actually go, well, just because we were made to do stuff doesn't mean that we should make our children to do stuff and what, you know, what how else could this look? How do we all get our needs met here was um, was big, really big. Yes, 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 yes. I would love to return to this list. I know, again, this is something you've mentioned several times, but it's the last thing on the list. And then I, that we've got a, like a short version to remember, but it really is the have fun doing it. So you've given so many beautiful examples of that. And I'd love to say as well, there's there's a couple of reasons why. Not only that it's fun because if it's enjoyable, it's like us. You know, if if we are being asked to do something, if in all the, the ways that you shared about that, if say if we're at a job, and our boss asks us to do something, but they, you know, that's in a fun way, and you have smoothies and music on or whatever. We're so much more likely to do it, aren't we? Because we want to have fun, we want to enjoy stuff, we don't want things to be boring. Like, why does anyone want to do anything that's boring and has no fulfillment in it? But also because play is such a core part of aware parenting, because it actually, um, well, it helps children feel more connected. So we come back to the connection piece, but it also helps them release painful feelings so they can cry and rage but but play helps them express um, feelings like fear and powerlessness which again is so often showing up in children's cooperation so not only they're having fun but they're actually getting to heal and often heal from past experiences where perhaps we have used power over them or um, those kinds of things so again that's why play can be so so powerful in that whole cooperation place and I know over speaking to parents over many years that that adding that play bit into cooperation is just such a game changer, isn't it? Like we go from being the serious parent to being, <laughs> excuse me, to being like playful and goofy and silly and fun. Like, of course they want to come and hang out and they want to do it. All the, all the things that you've shared, it's just yummy. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I just think that playfulness is is such a game changer. And when, and again, we, you know, I know when people first come to this work, they're like, "God, do you mean I have to make everything fun?" It, it's not like that all the time. But when we are feeling a little bit more playful and centered, then it, it makes it feels better for us as well. And you know, children absolutely love that. So it is such a um it's such another beautiful piece to to know that you have a tool in your toolkit you know to and combining that with choice and autonomy and in making it fun and playful can can make such a huge difference 
such a huge difference yeah. and it just makes like parenting more enjoyable doesn't it yeah before yeah. we became parents I don't know about you but you might imagine like picnics and uh, dancing around the meadows with our kids and then we don't imagine like fighting over how are you gonna get in the car but the mm. more we bring play in it actually does become a little bit more like you know dancing around the meadows around a picnic blanket so yes so I would love to offer, like, because this is a lot of information, I'd love to offer another little list of three things. So I'd love to offer the, the, so that, again, if you can remember in the moment, this little list, why they're not cooperating, list of three, and then a list of three things to elicit cooperation that can be helpful in the moment. So the three, and, and this isn't, you know, I know we talked about lots, but just the three most important ones. Number one, uh, um, what they, so I'm going to say in the most clearest way. So number one, what they need. Number two, what they think. So that's the information. And number three, the painful feelings. So I call those things what they're needing, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. What, they, what are they needing? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? Really basic things. What are they needing? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? So we're thinking about those when we're being curious, as you were explaining right at the beginning, Lau, we can go through that little list in our head and we can, we can connect in with each of those three things. And then we can, when we're wanting to elicit cooperation, we can also go, there's a beautiful list of three that Aletha Salter devised. She's the founder of Aware Parenting. You can find out more about her at awareparenting.com. So she's got this lovely little list of three things to elicit cooperation. Number one, giving them information. So that's the thinking part. So we're giving them information. So that might be, hey, sweetheart, just as you said, <laughs> you know, we, um, I'd really love for us to get in the car um, really soon. I'd like us to get in the car really soon. So we're giving them that information. Number two, we're offering them choices. So that's the, the needs, the, 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 the needs for choice. So, we, but we offer them choices, not about whether they're willing to come or not, but about how they come. So we might say, hey, do you want me to carry your sweetheart or do you want to walk? I mean, this is obviously for younger children. Um, not if it's a 15 year old. That <laughs> <laughs> might be like, are you willing to carry me? <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> Um, and number three, to make it playful. So we might say, hey, you know, do you want to, um, if they've said they want to be carried, we might say, would you, um, I'll be, so if they have a favourite character, you could say, you know, I'm, I'll be Batman and I'll carry you on my back and we've got our capes on and we're running through and we're running to the Batmobile. And, oh my gosh, what is out there in the world? So we, we just make it fun. So that's those three things. Give them information, offer them choices and make it fun. Mm it's a game changer I really is a game changer and then again if none of those work and then we have to set a limit and there's big feelings then we if we can we hold space for those feelings to come out and then you know look for that evidence afterwards of how your child is and their willingness to cooperate then so it's a really I, I love your list of three now you know I've always loved your lists I think it's really helpful to just be uh, always that curiosity and I have have some tools in my toolkit that don't that aren't just that coercion or bribery or um, yelling. You know, it's that there is something else that we can go to because no parent feels good yelling and no parent feels good coercing and we don't feel good bribing our kids. We don't. But, you know, I know that sometimes that's our go-to because that's often what was done to us. And, you know, it, and it is, as we talk about it, usually 
that ends up being just this power over trip that doesn't feel good. And that actually creates disconnection, not connection. And, you know, parenting is a long game, right? It's not just this, you know, and I know sometimes it's easy to default to those because in this moment I need my child to do this. But we have to think about the bigger picture there because when we're always deferring to yelling, controlling, bribing, coercing, you know, it's our children, again, think about the imprint or the story that sets up for them around their choice and will and autonomy and all those kind of things. And we want our children to know that they've got a powerful voice, that they can have strong yeses and nos, that there are other ways to for everyone to get their needs met. Like we're thinking about a, a bigger picture here, not just this immediate moment. And I know in the moment when we need it to be done, it's, it's I know, I know, I so know I've done that many times before but the more we can practice these tools the more we we get better at it more natural it becomes and actually then our children respond to it in such amazing ways because they realize oh yeah actually I want to help out or I want to do this as as you said they want to contribute Um, and they actually as they grow up they learn to go I can't do that because I feel like this or this is in the way and then I'll help you or something like that so so it is it's it's a long game we're playing here around some of these these bigger picture stuff but as always with everything that we talk about on this podcast we invite you to have a whole lot of compassion for yourself because this is not easy it is not easy the way we're asking many people to respond to their children are ways that they've never been responded to themselves and so this is why it often feels very foreign and it can feel really clunky when we do it because we often don't have a lived experience of what it feels like to do these things but you know, it takes just one person in our many generations of family to make changes and to try new things so that we can shift the consciousness on some level as we move forward. So be compassionate with yourself. You know, we, we're all doing the best we can and, you know, there is no perfect out there. We've all done these things in the past. Um, I've done that many times. But the more I've changed or, or been willing to change and start putting this stuff into practice, you know, the, the incredible results is what I've seen for sure. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely worth it, even though it can feel tricky in the beginning. Mm, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I thought cool to do? Just to offer a few little games around really common things like toothbrushing. There's some toothbrushing games. They're going to be like the... Um, mm-hmm. You can pick up like a hairbrush and pretend to try if your child's really little and you brush their teeth and you can pretend mm-hmm. to be, oh no, you can pick up a toothbrush and you can pretend to like you, you know, uh, brushing under their arm or brushing their hair or brushing, you know, their leg and keep saying, oh, there we are. Your teeth are looking a bit furry today. What have you been eating? Oh gosh, your teeth are a little bit, oh, they've gone a bit yellow. Why, why are they gone so yellow? Were you eating bananas? You know, they've got yellow trousers. So that can be a really playful way until they eventually go, no, here's my, here's my mouth here. Mm-hmm. Um, if they, if, if it's about getting dressed, you can play games like uh, one of the ones I used to play with my kids is um, uh, in the bedroom to put pajamas on, I'd have the pajamas and they'd run around the bedroom. And if I hit them with the pajamas gently, I'd throw the pajamas around the room <laughs> and if it hit them, then they would take off one item and put, put one item on or you know hiding hiding it as treasure or um getting clothes on we can put the clothes on uh, put their clothes on and be like oh my gosh do you like my new which new t-shirt or you know if, if it's a nappy we put it on our head and say do you like my new hats really nice isn't it really like it so there are so many ways for every single thing that we find tricky as parents to just bring in really silly goofy they're, they're often called nonsense games the silly goofy ones 
we can bring in play that makes the whole experience rather than like a million times and you put your pajamas on are you willing I, well, I really like you to would you do it now so just get in there and be really silly and goofy and play mm. absolutely transform all of these experiences that can be so painful and tricky yeah I also want to say too and they're such beautiful suggestions Marion you know if you do have older kids and they're not going to take the bait with play and play is not necessarily that it's for me I found with the kind of tweens and teens it is it's coming in with softness and gentleness and like you so don't want to do it do you I know you don't want to and I might cuddle them or I might kind of be like oh but you know come on I'm gonna help you let's do it together like it is often not judging them and not making them wrong for not doing it it's about leaning in again with that curiosity of I wonder what's stopping what's going on here and offering that connection, whereas often there's more willingness for them to do it with you or to still make it a bit more connected and fun, you know, together. But, but like, come oh, on, mate, we can do it. Like, you know, there's there's something that's not about the judgment of it, but about the, hey, I'm going to be beside you and the connection piece with it. I found that often we get my teens over the line or I would go, hey, should we come back and we can revisit it in an hour if it was them doing a job or doing something or you know, or, or having that conversation, hey, how can we all get our needs met here? Because I can hear what's going on and what's not happening or whatever. But the less judgment, definitely no judgment with, you know, well, no judgment really across the board, but particularly tweens and teens, you know, what they needed is a bit of an ally or a curiosity of a parent that was like, oh, this feels hard, doesn't it? You so don't want to do it or you're really stuck or yeah, you don't want to come, I get it, what could we do here? That makes a difference because, again, they feel heard and they feel seen in the whole, yeah, I've, this is a no for me. And when we can respect that or find a way around it can make such a big difference. Yum. <laughs> All right. Um, what would you love to offer parents? What do you want to, what do you want to share with them? Mm, I invite you to, well, I'd love to send you absolute unconditional love for every single feeling that you felt. And it's a bit retrospective. Could have said it right at the beginning. Would you like to rewind and listen again? I'm sending so much love to every single feeling that has showed up as you've listened to this. It's so natural and normal to have big feelings showing up um, in relation to what we've done or what we found hard. This whole topic can be just such a big one. So uh, the other thing I really want to invite you to do is, uh, in my language, to put down the, the sticks. So if you are judging yourself or shaming yourself or hitting yourself with guilt sticks, we really invite you to put those down because this isn't about more about any punishment punishing it's not about punishing children it's not about punishing ourselves it's about being deeply compassionate with ourselves about how hard this is particularly and we haven't even talked about this 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 week which is very unusual for me we haven't even talked about the culture it's really normal and natural in this culture in these the, these small family systems that we're living in to find this stuff really hard and so much of it these situations come up in the first place because of the culture we live in. So that's a really long way of saying and just sending lots and lots of love. Mm, that's so good. And I guess my offering for parents is, as always, I'd love to default to what would you have wanted when you were a child? You know, what when we, if you reflect back, were you coerced into doing stuff? You know, did your parents, you know, bribe you in some way? Were you yelled at? Did you have no voice? Like, what was that like for you? And what do you wish it had have been like? So that can sometimes be a very good place to start to then be curious about what, how we're turning up for our own children and, and also what we might want it to look like for them. So that might be a nice place to inquire. Yum. As for offerings, Lau, you've got an immersion. I have an immersion that's starting soon, but that's, that's almost 
fully booked, but I have a new masterclass series coming up in a few weeks, in two weeks or so, depending on when you're listening to this. And that's some beautiful little one-off classes where you can come and I've got all sorts of different topics and you can ask questions and do some great work in there. So they are all on my new website. And I haven't seen your new website yet. You can take a look. What about you, Marion? What have you got going on? Well, I actually thought to offer as well in terms of um, Aletha Salter's books, we invite you to have a look at Cooperative and Connected um, and and Attachment Play. Those are two books that would be really helpful, especially if they work well. If if you've been doing it for years, I still recommend them, but even if it's new to you. Um, And in terms of my offerings, I have a lot of things that are related to this. Not all of them are, a lot of them aren't aware parenting. I'm really passionate, as you know, about the whole choice and agency and autonomy in my Marian method work which is all about the will so I've got some I've got courses on power and powerlessness in parenting um, I've got a, a new offering at the moment with Nick Wilson called the willingness practice for children which is all about supporting children with their yeses um, I talk a lot about yeses and noes in my Marian method work um, so I think yeah that would be like where I'd say I've also got a few little um, small um just like really short masterclass similar to yours that that uh, talk about understanding children's behavior and what's causing it so those might also be useful all on my website too there you go there's a just lot of resources you. out there there's a lot of there's a lot of resources lots, 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 lots. <laughs> and we also yeah. want to say to those of you who are new to aware parenting there is a beautiful free uh facebook group which is run by a whole load of aware parenting instructors if you would like more support Mm. And it's an amazing, gorgeous community. So if you're mm. new, again, welcome, welcome. We, we are so glad yes. that you're here. Yes, brilliant, brilliant. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, again, for all your shares and your listens and all that kind of stuff. It's been so wonderful to see such an incredible response to our podcast. And, uh, yeah, gosh, it makes us so happy, doesn't it, Marion? Just <laughs> knowing more people are listening and getting this information and bringing it into their families. Oh, and we have to say we're having a little birthday celebration because uh-huh. we did our 100th episode last week. Yes. So on the 2nd of July, is it, Marion? Yes, I believe I think it is. Second yes, of July, we've got a little birthday party. Uh, there's information on our Instagram or Facebook page, um, and it's come along for a few hours. And we're going to, you know, it's on Zoom, and we want to hear all about your your experiences. And you know, we we have some space to answer questions and come and hang out with us for a few hours. So um, <laughs> yes, we would love to see you if you want to come and connect with yeah. us on the second of July. You're mm. going to wear your party dress, now. Oh, I might wear a party hat. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. All right. Thank you, everybody, for being here with us. Yeah, so much love to you. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.